Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Virtual Church. We are so glad that you're here with us. Uh, Happy Easter. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read just a couple verses out of there. And then also turn to John chapter 20. That is where uh, the the bulk of our study is going to be. And so uh, it's Easter Sunday. It's just always a, a time for us to celebrate. I'm particularly excited this year uh, to gather. Um, you know, last year we were restricted from being able to meet, and so the significance of this day, it's significant every day for believers, And and uh, but this year it's just particularly uh, special to me to be able to gather with the body. Um, by way of follow-up from last week, so last Sunday we had about uh, seven to ten people expressed interest in being baptized this summer, and so we are tentatively planning our baptism for Sunday, June 13th. That's the day that we should be, uh, if I stick on schedule, that we'll be in between uh the book of Galatians and the start of Colossians. And so we're going to do a baptismal service uh, for our Sunday service. We have access to a, a like a like a mobile baptismal, and we're just going to do a, a baptism service for our service to celebrate what God has been doing over the last year. There's been a number of people who, uh, through the ministry of Grace Point Church, who have given their lives to the Lord and are growing, and it's really exciting to see what God is doing. And so we celebrate His resurrection every day. We celebrate uh, what what He's done in our lives, and so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, let's pray, and we'll look at First Peter chapter one, verses three through nine, and then we're going to go to the resurrection story in John chapter twenty. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, Father, we thank you that Jesus rose from the dead. We pray that um, today as we focus on the resurrection, you would help us to see the significance of the resurrection, how it applies to our life, and Lord, just how we can celebrate you this Easter Sunday. We love you, Father, and we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen. All right, so over in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through, uh, uh, let's say, 9. I just want to read this. It sort of gives the, the, the significance of the resurrection and why, why the resurrection of Jesus is so important to us. And there Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, that means that he's withheld wrath that's due us, uh, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so here it is that he's merciful to us. He's caused us to be born again. uh, This living hope that we have that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the dead to obtain an inheritance, this inheritance as children of Abraham that we've looked at the last few weeks uh, of the Abrahamic covenant and uh, how we through faith have been grafted in 
to, to, to Abraham's family to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I, I just love this part about um, this, you who are protected by the power of God through faith. Uh, you know, in this life, there's a lot of worries, there's a lot of concerns, certainly um, just within our bodies, our, uh, you know, the second law of th- thermodynamics, that everything's moving from order to disorder as we age, as we get older, um, as we fall um, to, to various illnesses and diseases. And, and this year, there's been a number of, of cancer incidences uh, within our body. We've lost people this year to death. Uh, we have COVID. We have all of these things. And we're told, though, as believers, that we don't have to fear. Uh, we can rest easy knowing that God is protecting us. Even if we perish, we know that we go to be with him in everlasting life. And so we don't have to live our lives in fear. We don't have to uh, worry about any sort of persecution that we'll face. We can trust in God's sovereignty, knowing that he is in control. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining to the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I just love this, that there's so much encouragement in Christ. We have joy. We can face various trials, like whatever the world wants to throw at us, whether it's COVID, whether it's our ailments, whether it's actual persecution for our faith, that we as followers of Christ, um, we, we don't necessarily always fit in with the flow of society. But through all of this, We can rest easy and rejoice knowing that our God who created us, who gives us life, who supplies our needs, that we have a relationship with him that's going to go from present into eternity, and in that we rejoice. That's the significance of Easter, that what Jesus has done, he's reconciled a fallen people that he created in his image, that through Jesus, this opportunity to be reconciled with God has been provided to us. Uh, It's a gift of God, his grace to us that we receive through faith. It's beautiful. And so today, we're just going to focus on looking at the actual Easter story. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn over to John chapter 20. And we're just going to talk through the story and sort of let the, the resurrection story sort of uh, percolate in our minds. 
Uh, on Good Friday, we had a Good Friday service. We focused on sort of the uh, the whole crucifixion story and, and leading up to the crucifixion story. And we took the Lord's Supper. Uh, we celebrated with each other. And, and so we left Jesus in the tomb in the story. And so now in John chapter 20, we read about the, re- the resurrection scene, this, this, this first scene at Sunday morning. Now on the first day of the week, John chapter 20, verse 1. Mary Magdalene came out early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken from the tomb. And so now the Sabbath restrictions had been lifted. It was Passover. And she, as soon as she can, at daybreak, she makes her way to the tomb. And it's dark, we see. And there's some disturbing evidence there. Somebody had tampered with the tomb. The stone had been taken away. They can only imagine the panic that she felt. And in verse 2 we read, so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. So she runs to the leader, Peter, and to the disciple whom Jesus loved is the author of John. It's the apostle John, the youngest. And she said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So she goes to the tomb. She sees that it's been disturbed. She naturally assumes that the Roman soldiers or somebody had taken the body and, and, and basically desecrated Jesus's body. Um, and so Peter, in verse 3, and the other disciple, that's John, they went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together And the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter, and they came to the tomb first. And and so they get there. They run there. We see that John, the younger one, makes it to the tomb first. Then Peter arrives. um, And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. So this is John. This is uh, the word saw is the Greek word blepo, which, which means to kind of glance into the, the, the tomb. And Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. So he goes in. Now in the tomb, it's sort of like there's a main area that for, for visitors that you can walk into. And then on the right and on the left, there's places for the body so that people could go and, and grieve next to the bodies. And so he enters the tomb and he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the faith cloth, which had been on his head, was not lined with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place by himself. And so this word, saw, is a, is a different Greek word where we get the word theorize from. And so he's kind of seen the evidence. He sees the, the, the clothing or the cloth that had wrapped Jesus and the head. He saw it all there. He's, he's trying to piece together um, the, sort of the crime scene. or like He's trying to determine what actually happened. Verse 8, then John, the other disciple who happened who had come first to the tomb and then entered 
also entered, and he saw and believed. Now this is a third word, saw, oida. This is the, the aha moment. It's, uh, he got it. He understood. He believed he, that Jesus rose from the grave. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So the disciples went away to their other homes, but Mary was standing outside the tomb. So the two guys leave. Mary stays there. She's weeping. Mary's standing outside the tomb, tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus has been lying. So now she gets a totally different perspective. These angels weren't there when Peter and John went in. They just saw the evidence. They take off. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? This is one of those questions that... The scripture asked, it seems so silly, and she's going to, you know, she's, she's going to respond to them sort of like, like, why are you asking this question? It's obvious. And she said to them in verse 13, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. So here are the angels in the tomb. She's saying, I'm grieving. Like, you're asking me why I'm grieving. I'm grieving because they took away my Lord. Behind her, Jesus is standing there, but she doesn't know that it's Jesus. And Jesus says to her in verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away. Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And so she thinks this is just like the cemetery staff, and that he maybe took the body away. And she's like, "Listen, I'm just tell me where you placed him. Let me handle his body with dignity and give him a proper barrier burial." And Jesus said to her in verse sixteen. Jesus said to her in verse 16, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. She's shocked. And Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. So she sees him. She's shocked. She grabs him. I imagine touching, feeling like, is this real? Is this, is this truly what I think is happening? And he says, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. So he tasked her with a mission to go let the disciples know. And she goes, Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he said these things to her. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut and the disciples, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Shalom. 
So she tells them the good news, but they are horrified. They're, they're, they're scared. They're in hiding. They've secured their location. But Jesus appears to them. And the indication is that they are ter- terrified. They're terrified. He, he, and he comes in and he says, peace be with you. Shalom. Relax. It's okay. And when he said this, he showed them both his hands and, he, and his side. And he says, touch my hands. It's really me. This is my resurrected body. This isn't just some thing that you're seeing and imagining. This is truly me. Touch my hands. Feel the wounds. So there seems like there, there was evidence that there was actually the wound marks were there or scars. And in his side where they saw, where they saw the Roman soldiers pierce his side, and the blood and the water that came out. And so the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And so they are, this has got to be overwhelming. I've never seen a resurrected person. And so Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Shalom. This peace of God is only available through Jesus' work on the cross. The only reason and the only way we can truly attain peace in this life is through this relationship with Jesus that he's provided to us by absorbing the wrath of God on the cross. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, I also Send you. And so he gives these disciples and to us this new identity that he came to a lost world to, to seek and save the lost. And he says, As the Father has sent me, so send I you, that we become his ambassadors, that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we've been called as God's ambassadors to go out to a lost world and to proclaim the risen Christ. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so the the Spirit of God, we're in this transitional period. Jesus has risen from the grave in a few days. Pentecost would come in Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit would descend upon the believers and, and seal him as we know from Acts one thirteen, I mean Ephesians one thirteen. And he says he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If any of you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. And so here Jesus says to them that they are that we, as we've received God's forgiveness, we need to be forgiving and gracious people. As we've received God's grace, we need to share the grace of God with others. We don't need to judge people. We don't need to look down on them for their, their looks or how they appear, how they act. We need to interact with all humanity as for whom those Christ died. That all of the people, the politicians, our leaders, our neighbors, these are people whom Christ died for regardless of how they have responded. And so we have been forgiven much, and we need to be a forgiving people. Verse 24, but Thomas, 
one of the twelve, called Didymus, which means the twin. He was not with them when Jesus came. Like, what, what a bummer is that, that he's out. I always think that he's out picking up food because they're locked out. He goes out. He comes back. They've encountered Jesus in this profound way. They're having this reaction. Everybody looks down on Thomas for being doubting Thomas, but the reality is, is how, how, how would you react if you saw Jesus killed or somebody killed four days later, everybody's saying, hey, the person just stopped in. I think that we would have our doubts too. So I don't want to go as hard on Thomas as, as so many do. So when the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Like, I'm not going to believe your guys' account. If he indeed rose from the dead, then where is he? Why is he not here? This seems reasonable. And then we're told in verse 26, after eight days, a whole week. So we go from Sunday to Saturday to Sunday. And so it's either on Sunday or it's Monday We read, after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, stood in their midst. So all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. He didn't open the door. He didn't knock. He just appears in the room with the 12 disciples. And now Thomas is there, and he stood in their midst, and he said in verse 26, Shalom. Peace be with you. Again, he says the same thing. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. And so I love this picture of Jesus. Jesus doesn't condemn Thomas as being doubting Thomas. Jesus shows up And he says, hey, I know you want to touch my hands and you want to see my side, so here's the evidence. Like, I love this characteristic about Jesus. I came to Jesus as a doubting individual. The whole idea of the resurrection seemed foolish to me. It seemed make-believe. And over the years of my searching, Jesus continued to provide evidence that I needed to see so that I could be believing. And my prayer for those of you who are watching who maybe are uncertain or unbelieving, that you would be able to reach the place in your life where you can go from unbelieving to believing because Jesus has provided the evidence that you need to authenticate that he is indeed the Messiah and that he is indeed worthy of your faith because the work that he did on the cross was adequate for your salvation. And Thomas answered and said in verse 28, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. And this is kind of where we are with the story. 
Now, I want you to hold your place here, and I want to look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So over in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection. Now, remember, the Apostle Paul was a great persecutor of the church. We've been spending a lot of time with him in Galatians and um, just coming to enjoy him. Like, really, Thessalonians... Now, through Galatians, we're going to get into Colossians into the summer. We're really focusing on these books that point us to Jesus, and we've been seeing the gospel and hearing the gospel every single week, and I often allude to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This sort of carries out the resurrection stories that Paul, as one during this time of John chapter 20, he wasn't really in the believing crowd. He was in the persecuting crowd. And then he would later write in 1 Corinthians this account of the testimonies as he investigated who Jesus appeared to. Now, verse 1, this is what we read. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And he's going to explain the gospel in clarity. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve. And after he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And so he's recounting the story that we looked at in John 20. Then he says that he appeared to some 500 males, because this is where the, the testimony in court could be heard from. So there were certainly others in addition to the males, but it, he says there's 500 individuals, males, that will give an account that he, they saw the risen Christ. And he says at the time of writing, the, most of these individuals are still alive that you can go talk to and that you can investigate. And I'm, I'm certain that Paul met many of these people and talked to them about their claims. Verse 7, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So Paul said, then I saw the risen Christ, for I am the least of all of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. So he lists all of these people. And he said all of these people who encountered the Christ made it our life's aim to go about and share the truth of who Jesus was, that he indeed is the Messiah and that he did raise from the dead. And many people responded. And he says, verse 12, Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? 
But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, all of this is meaningless. Verse 15, moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, even Christ not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're in your sins. So if this is all make-believe and Jesus is, is a placebo, it's worthless. There's no point to it. Verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Your loved ones who claim to follow after Jesus, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, they're dead. They've perished. There's no point to it. Verse 19, if we have hoped in Christ Jesus in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. So if Jesus is just some placebo, and there's no validity to this claim that he rose from the dead, if there's no evidence to support if it never happened, we of all people, Christians, should be pitied. But he doesn't stop there. In verse 20, he says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. He is risen. This is the most important thing that we can investigate in our lives. The evidence is overwhelming. It will always require a a response in faith. But the evidence of the scriptures, the archaeology, it, it supports what the Bible says. Uh, I recommend the book like A Case for Christ, A Reason for God is another book. that supports the evidence, like Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, who he said it well. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. The resurrection of Jesus is the most significant event in human history. Now back to John chapter 20. Jesus says in verse 29, Blessed are they who did not see yet believed. Have you heard the gospel and responded, my prayers that you answer yes. And if yes, then we are blessed. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to to be joyful for. And in verse 30, John continues, and he says, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So as John lays out, his gospel, he lists many miracles. It's a very different gospel from the others. He, he has a mission in mind. He says in verse 31, the reason that he wrote his gospel and the way he laid it out, he says, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so as we celebrate this Easter Sunday, my prayer is that you would come to understand what Jesus has done for you, how much he loves you, how forgiving he is, how much he desires to welcome you into a relationship with him. Jesus has paid it all for you. Our response is simply to believe, to express our faith, to allow him into our lives, to allow him to reshape us and to mold us into his likeness. And so my prayer is that today on this Easter Sunday, you would be certain of where you stand before God, that you would accept his gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified according to the scriptures for us, that he was buried, and that three days later he rose from the dead. And that's the very thing that we celebrate today, this Easter. Father, we do thank you and praise you for the work of Jesus on the cross. Father, I pray for all who are listening to this today that you would help them to understand the blessed hope that we have in Jesus, that they would respond in faith and that they would be moved from the sphere of Adam, of sin and darkness and expulsion from you to new life in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for everybody who hears the gospel this Sunday around the world, uh, that they would see who Jesus is and that they would give their lives to him. This is a reasonable thing for each of us to do. Father, we do thank you and praise you for all that you're doing in our midst, and it's in Christ's good name, I pray. Well, I hope you have a wonderful Easter Sunday day today. May God richly bless you. I hope to see you soon back at church, and um, I'll see you next week.